presenting sponsor for today's episode of Head of the Pack is Visa, a network working for everyone. Welcome back to the latest Head of the Pack. I'm Matt Nyman here with my good pal Bill Huber coming to you from the Lambeau Field press box after the Packers' 27-17 win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bill, it wasn't pretty, but they're 3-1. and one. And after the way they started this season in Jacksonville, with that 38-3 loss to the Saints, you can't complain about 3-1. and one. Obviously, there's some more stuff to get into in terms of the injuries and possible gloomy clouds looming over this win. But um, the fact that they found a way to win fairly comfortably, I would say, against a team with some pretty damn good players on both sides of the ball, when the Packers themselves weren't at their best, um, specifically on offense, even though they scored 27 points, you know, Aaron Rodgers was not sharp, I don't think. It's got to be a good sign when you do that. And, you know, finding different ways to win is a sign of a good team. And the Packers have done that the last couple of weeks. I think it's a really good win. Um, yeah, I realize Pittsburgh's one and three. I realize Ben Roethlisberger is nowhere near the guy he was 10 years ago when he put the Packers in the Super Bowl. But this is a damn good team. Najee Harris is a really good running back. Throw line stinks. I get that, too. He's got a bunch of receivers that are pretty good. The defense is you know, between Watt and Hayward. Those are two real game changers. Fitzpatrick's a game changer. Um, there is nothing for the Packers to apologize about um, by winning by 10 and what was a 17-point game until really late. And you're right. Rod- to win when Rodgers isn't at his best, that's huge for these guys. I mean, AJ D- and we've been waiting all year for A.J. Dillon to, to get going. He had a good, good game tonight, too. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a terrific win. I don't think I have anything to apologize for. Yeah, you bring up A.J. Dillon. You know, the Packers had been averaging 3.37 yards per carry entering this week. And, and when I wrote that story and used that stat for that story, it was entering the Thursday night game. That was 29th in the league. Tonight they averaged over five yards a carry. A.J. Dillon had 15 carries for 81 yards. I thought, you know, Aaron Jones ran 15 times for, for far fewer yards. That's not an indictment on Aaron Jones. I think it just goes to show that A.J. Dillon is still going to have a big role in this offense. You know, he wasn't a huge factor the first couple weeks, but they can turn to him in a game like this when he has the hot hand. And he was catching passes, too. So today was a really important game for him. They finally got the running game going. You know, the connection to Devontae Adams wasn't great. Uh, I believe he had six catches for 62 yards. There were a couple... Uh, that Rodgers should have hit him on. There was pressure in Rodgers' face on a couple of those that I think probably affected the throws. But like we talked about, Rodgers missed a bunch of throws that he normally makes. Uh, on um, the deep ball to Tunyon, there were a couple crossers to Adams. Uh, the one to Adams on fourth down that Randall Cobb broke up because he thought it was intended for him. Like There were so many points left out there. Um, and still for the Packers to squeeze out a 10-point win, I, th- I think that's... Nothing but a good sign. Yeah, had, had a deep shot to Mercedes Lewis there too. Um, first half, I believe. You know, and maybe if Lewis keeps running rather than backpedaling, that's a catch. But that was another missed opportunity there too. Um, you, you mentioned the run game, and I wrote about the run game too. But in, what I probably should have mentioned more prominently in my story is look at the D lines they play. New Orleans's D line is really good. San Francisco is really good. Pittsburgh's today really good. So. Um, to run the ball pretty well today against another top-flight defensive line or different defensive front seven. With, once again, a really young and learning-as-they-go line. Again, nothing nothing but positives. And if they can ever get healthy and they, they can ever get Jenkins back and if Bakhtiari gets back here at some point in the next month or whatever it's going to be, 
Um, they're going to have a formidable line, and they're going to have a really good all-around offense. You know, LaFleur mentioned today that it was time to get Dylan going, and he said going off the field, um, something along the lines of a way to step up today, and then he caught himself and realized he, Dylan just needed opportunities. And today he got him for 15 for 81. Dylan lamenting the non-touchdown, the 25-yarder, said he needs to pick up his knees some more. But otherwise, <laughs> a, a strong game by him. And said, Yeah, um, you can't count on Aaron Jones, especially a 205-pound Aaron Jones. You can't count on him to have 20 touches every single week. Right. Um, let's talk about what I think is the biggest story from tonight, and that's the injury to Jair Alexander, who is one of the best corners in the league. Um, late in the third quarter, he blows up. That pass in the flat to Najee Harris on fourth and four doesn't get credited for the tackle, but he stopped that play. And then Oren Burks and, and Shannon Sullivan were kind of on cleanup duty. He goes down. Um, it's a right shoulder injury. That's about all we know. Uh, Flea, the Packers head trainer, was kind of coddling uh, Jair's arm, his right arm, as they walked off the field. And then as Jair was being carted off the field, he kind of raised his left hand to to the crowd. I didn't see much movement from his right arm, and he was ruled out for the game shortly thereafter. Mike Garofolo from NFL Network reported that it was believed to be an AC joint sprain, which is obviously better than a broken collarbone, but um, Matt LaFleur said he didn't have any additional information on the severity of Alexander's shoulder injury, but if he does miss any extended period of time, that's obviously a brutal blow to a defense that is already without their all-pro edge rusher in Zedarius Smith for a while. Um, for as much grief as Kevin King gets, you probably want him out there over Isaac Yadam. Um, so that there are already a couple key injuries, not only on defense, but both sides of the ball. And this is just a team that can't really afford many more, especially to one of its top five players in, in Jair. So that'll be something to monitor here in the coming days, but certainly not a good sign coming out of this win. No, you, you had a feeling that wasn't a good sign when he got injured in the third quarter and there was no injury update whatsoever ever provided in the press box. So you figured that wasn't good. Um, LaFleur said he didn't know anything, which is like impossible to believe. So that's probably not good either. Uh, I did a little research about AC injuries. I don't, I didn't know much about them. Uh, they go from grade one, which is minor to grade six, which is awful. Um, grades four, five, six generally require surgery. Um, but it's not always the worst news. Like Joe Hayden of Pittsburgh, he had one in the 2019 opener. He played the next week. Randall Cobb had won the preseason finale in 2015. He played all 16 games. So I'm guessing that's why LaFleur didn't detail anything because he's probably waiting for, you know, what's the grade in us? Is it, is it grade one or is it grade three? So I'm guessing that's why he, he played dumb with us. So, yeah, the medical updates this week will be huge. I mean, it's, it's hard to play defense when you've got a lackluster pass rush without Zedarius Smith and lackluster coverage which is going to be the case without Alexander. So this is going to be a big problem with Cincinnati, too, with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd. That is quite the quite the, uh, quite the the trio. Yeah, it's not an easy receiving core to go against. The Packers will have their work cut out for them against the Bengals, who are 3-1. and one. You know, yes, they've played some, you know, they beat the Steelers pretty handily. They beat the Jaguars. Um, I'm forgetting the other team they beat, but... Bengals are a good team in Cincinnati afternoon next Sunday. That, that'll be a tough game, especially with those injuries. Um, another big storyline from this game on a more positive note for the Packers was kind of the arrival, the emergence of Randall Cobb. I think this is what Aaron Rodgers had in mind when he stumped so hard for the Packers to trade for him this offseason. 
four of his five receptions were on third down for first downs. Uh, had two touchdown catches today. If he can produce out of the slot, and, and Rodgers was talking after the game today about just how well he knows that position, and the guys were talking about you know, how he just knows what routes to run, and, and I get the feeling it's almost that fifth sense connection between Rodgers and Randall Cobb that he has with Devontae, that he had with Jordy. And if Randall can develop a, a role and really produce in this offense – Maybe it was more so today because MVS was out, but that, that could be huge for this offense, especially if they need to, to put up more points with, with their defense kind of injured. they got a lot of weapons, don't they, Matt? It's been interesting that Cobb hasn't gotten a lot of run because Devontae is so good in the slot, and it's a way to get him out of doubles. Alan Lazard's so good in the slot because he's so physical as a blocker. It's been, it's been hard to get Cobb snaps. Um, it's going to be hard to keep him off the field after this one. I'm, I'm not suggesting it's going to be 50 snaps a game from now on, but... It's just, it was all. It was third down after third down after third down. Um, and what got him going was that that initial third down. It was they're losing seven nothing. I think it was a third and six. He had that bobbling catch for that first down, and that's what got him going. Um, I didn't think he had the Jets that he had on that touchdown. He caught the ball around the eleven yard line, and he just hit the gas. He looked far younger than he than than he is. That was a uh, a, a telling play by the guy. The guy's got he's. He's not just here because he's Aaron Rodgers' buddy and he's the connection and all that. No, the guy can still play. So what you're saying is we should have trusted Aaron Rodgers when he told us Cobb could still play? Yeah. What you're saying is Aaron Rodgers might know more about football than us? No. Oh, really? <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, Corey Bajorquez is probably the best punter in the world. Um, uh, that's an exaggeration, but it was funny because you, you said to him when we talked to him on Friday, you know, you're the best punter we've ever seen. I mean, you've been covering this team for, what is this, your 14th year? This yeah, is only 14, my third yeah. season. But, you know, that's important. And obviously nobody likes to see the punter coming on, but he's good. Um, Isaac Yadam had a big uh, downing of his punt on, on the goal line. It was downed at the four eventually. But the, the Packers just got those smaller contributions that they haven't been getting. You know, Kingsley Kiki stepping up with a strip sack. Uh, Rashawn Gary continues to do a little bit here and there. Eric Stokes had the game ceiling interception. And those are the kinds of contributions from those secondary and tertiary guys that the Packers are going to need if their stars are injured. Sure, you know, knock on wood, they're still going to have Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers. Um, but if they can get those contributions from guys you don't expect them from, you know, maybe this team is able to start let's say, 6-1. and one. They have the Bengals, the Bears, and Washington up next, uh, away, away, and home. On paper, they should win all three of those games. And if they can get through the first seven games, 6-1, and one, and then they go into that Thursday night game against Arizona at Arizona in Week 8, Arizona's 4-0 now. They slaughtered the Rams today. And let's say they get Bakhtiari back by that Week 8 game, and Jenkins is back, and MVS is back, and Jair's back. They'd be in good shape. So as long as they can tread water for these next couple of weeks, I think they should be in prime position. That'd be something. You know, Stokes needs to play, but I realize he had the pick tonight. But um, probably too many diving tackle attempts on his part. Another interference call tonight. He, I mean, he's got to play better. Shannon Sullivan's got to play a lot better. He's just—he's a missed tackling machine, Matt. Yeah, he—he he has the most missed tackles on the team. And I wrote in my story leading up to this game that. PFF had the Packers graded as their third best tackling team 
and the Packers did not have a single individual in the top 45 in the league in missed tackles. Um, Shannon Sullivan is not a great tackler, and the bad story for the Packers is if Jair misses any extended period of time and Kevin King clears the concussion protocol this week, then you're going to have King and Stokes on the outside and Sullivan in the slot, whereas if everyone's healthy, it's Jair and Stokes on the outside and King in the slot, which I think is your ideal three. I mean, Shannon Sullivan, he's done some nice things, but like you said, he's a tackling liability, and that's not great. For, for teams that can just dink and dunk their way down the field against that too high safety if the Packers play that. Yeah, Sullivan's confounding. Um, you know, I wrote something up before the game today. Um, last year, looking at pro football focuses numbers, he gave up. I'm going to my story now. He gave up um, bum, 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 1.13 yards per coverage snap last year, which is really good. Heading into this game, he was at 2.38. So he was basically double the coverage yards per snap. His receptions allowed per snap were basically cut in half. So he's he's really struggling. And you're right. Um, they're stuck with him on there now for the, for the foreseeable future. I would think unless Alexander can make a, a rapid recovery. He's got to get a lot better. Um, the offensive line, Matt, I, I want to go back to what you were talking about before. They gave up three sacks and I think seven or eight tackles for losses. If you just look on paper, that's not that's not good. But there was never a point today where I thought, boy, they're really struggling. Right. Right. I, I, maybe I just missed it, but I thought they they were pretty darn good against a damn good front seven. I agree. And and Rogers made a point to say in his press conference, he said, "Yeah, I was sacked three times, but one of those was when T.J. Watt tripped me. <laughs> the other." was when he slid into a sack, essentially. He slid down behind the line of scrimmage on his own. And then the other one, there was one other that he kind of had it was, a... It was that blown blitz uh, where Devin Bush came through, I think, first drive. Right, 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 right. I believe that was Runyon, who it looked like he missed his assignment. But listen, I, I thought one of the most telling quotes from the press conference, uh, Aaron Rodgers' press conference, that is, was he said... Multiple games missed for both Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari in the first four games. Rodgers said he would have been ecstatic, was the word that he used, with two wins. And he said, here we are with three. So I feel like there's a little bit of a sense in that locker room, or at least with Rodgers, with regards to the offensive line, that they're playing with house money. And uh, for (laughs) however many wins they get without two of probably the top 10 offensive linemen in the league, certainly the Packers' two best offensive linemen, is... Is, is a positive and a bonus, it seems, at least. And, you know, Yash Nyman probably didn't have as good of a game as he did against the 49ers. I'll have to look back. It's tough to always watch all parts of the play in real time. So once I look back, uh, I'll probably write more this week about how they utilized the chip blocks today and how those offensive linemen did. But, listen, for as many games as they can at, that they at least keep Aaron Rodgers on his feet for the majority of the game and give him time to throw, which – I think he did today, and and whenever he is flushed out of the pocket, it's not the worst-case scenario because he can still make plays on the run, um, like we saw with that rushing touchdown and even throws he makes on the run. Any game like that, even if it's not perfect, is is a positive because you're not expecting perfection from Yash Nyman, two rookies, and John Runyon Jr. I thought, stick with the old line, I thought Billy Turner, again, we need to go back and watch – but he, he's the guy who faced T.J. Watt for most of the game. I, and I, yeah, I, he, he got some help and all that. But T.J. Watt did not run rush out over 
over him. Turner's a good player. I know people, and by people I mean fans, or think he's a not very good player at all these things, probably based on the championship game where he got moved to left tackle. But as a right tackle, he's a good player. TJ Watts beating the hell out of a lot of players in his career. And again, yeah. at, the end of the day, at the end of the day, Watt comes up with two sacks on the official stat sheet. But I would give that I would give that a decisive victory to uh, to Turner today. Absolutely. And one of those sacks was with his right foot. Yes. Yeah. Well, All right. Yeah, let's get and, to yeah, some. And, and then the slotting dive down was the other one. So I would. Exactly. Hell of a day. All right. Let's get to some questions. We had a bunch. I saw over 30 replies to my tweet asking for questions. Let's tackle some of those. First one from Kevin Stalsberg. I can't help but be skeptical of this team. The Packers haven't beaten a team with a winning record. How good is this team at the quarter-ish mark? I'd take for a grain of salt that winning record thing. I mean, it's it's early in the season, and if they beat the Bengals next week, and then the Bengals go on to lose a couple in a row, then it'll be, oh, the Bengals were a fluke at the beginning of the season. That's not a real win either. Listen, I think the Packers should be talked about in consideration as one of the best teams in the NFC. I mean, going into this week, everyone was talking about, oh, the Rams are invincible, Matthew Stafford, this awesome defense, and they got their doors blown off in L.A. against the Cardinals. And people are like, oh, the Cardinals, I don't know if they're for real. Well, now they're for real. And the 49ers were great. Now they've lost two in a row. The Seahawks were great after week one. Now they're two and two. The Chiefs are two and two. I mean, it's a very small sample size. I think the Packers are a very good team. Um, not only the intangibles and how they responded to week one, but how they've performed when not at full health. And if they can at least get some of those guys back, when Bakhtiari comes back, Elton Jenkins, let's say Zedaria Smith doesn't play again. But if Jair's not out for a while and, and they still have the majority of their guys, listen, every team's going to have injuries. If you can withstand that and have the depth, that's going to be important. And, and I want to say this, this is kind of off on a tangent. Devondre Campbell is a damn good inside linebacker. You know, he's covering Juju Smith-Schuster on slants across the field for and batting down passes. And then the very next play, he's tackling Juju in the open field for a fourth down stop. I mean, when the hell is the last time we saw that out of a Packers inside linebacker? And Randall Cobb's coming up with big plays. And Corey Bajorquez, you know, I know the Randall Cobb trade was Rodgers doing, but Brian Gutekunst is making some good moves. Kind of reminds me of two years ago when he picked up Tyler Irvin and Jared Valdir in the middle of the season and they played big roles going to that 2019 NFC title game. They're pushing all the right buttons, and even though they're not at full health, I think they've proven they're a good team even even when they're not. And and when they get back to full health, I think they can be a great team. Yeah, I going back to the sort of Kevin's question, that, that winning record thing is it's useless at this point, I think. Um, yeah, and I want to go back to the Campbell thing you just talked about. Desmond Bishop had like one really good year. I mean, he was always, he had a lot of injury problems, but I'd have to go back that far. I mean, we're talking a decade of bad inside linebacker, not even mediocre inside linebacker, but it's bad. I mean, Blake Martinez is fine and Jake Ryan was okay, but Roethlisberger threw back-to-back passes at Devondre Campbell on fourth down and got nothing for it. An incomplete pass and a gain of what, one. Yeah, that's amazing. And the guy is so big that if it's one-on-one against the hole, or one-on-one in the hole, you know, Campbell's not one of those 225-pound guys who gets driven backwards for three yards. He's he's big enough to hold his ground. He's been he's been a godsend for him, really has been. So, yeah, right. these, these guys are really good, and um, when, they, when they get their alignment back, look out. 
so often, you know, with Blake and with Christian Kirksey, we talked about, yeah, they would have a lot of tackles, but those would be, you know, five yards past the first down marker, and they kind of, you know, quote-unquote, let the ball carrier come to them rather than attacking the guy, as cliche as that sounds. And, and Devondre Campbell is the latter, and I think that's huge for this defense. From Joe O'Keefe, good question here. What's going on with the opponent's special teams getting deep into the backfield on field goal attempts? Crosby's game winner last week was nearly blocked and an offsides erased a blocked field goal return for a TD this week. Is this just a coincidence or have opponents found a weakness? Um, once is an anomaly, twice is a pattern, three times is a trend. I think it's a slight bit of a concern. Matt LaFleur said he'd look back at the tape. I didn't see it closely enough. Was Robert Tunyon the one blocking on that side again today? Yeah, I didn't look at it either. I saw it happen live. I saw the flag and I, and I moved on with my life. <laughs> I'll have to go back and look thing. at it. I, I just assumed he was offside, and I, I took the play. It was, an, it was a nothing play, but then um, I got some people on Twitter saying he didn't even look offside, so that would be that would be worth a look. But you're right, Matt, and we've had you know Ron Zook, who's a bad special teams coordinator, but he was a great quote. He always said that if you put something bad on film, you'd see it for the next month because everybody would just come test it until you, until you proved you could that your flaw was fixed. So. Yes, it is a legit problem. That being said, um, Darnell Savage almost blocked the punt today, too, and ended up being a 20-yard punt. The Packers scored, I think, to go up 14-7. So um, the Packers have giveth and taketh away. That's true. Next. From at RaisinHell89. They haven't played murderer's row for offenses, but do you think the defense has taken a step? Feels like they have in the secondary. I would say, yeah, and, and here's why, like I uh, alluded to earlier. They're making plays without their, their main guys. You know, yeah, I know Jair played the first three quarters tonight, but without Zedarius, without Kevin King, the young guys are stepping up. Kingsley Kiki, we haven't seen consistent production from him. Um, you know, Kenny Clark has gotten off to a great start after a down year last year. We talked about Campbell with Chris Barnes out. Eric Stokes is making plays. Yes, they haven't played, like you said, Ray, a murderer's row uh, with with the Lions, Niners, and Steelers the last three weeks, but would you rather them do as expected against those unimpressive offenses or do what they did against the Saints? I don't think we can complain with how the defense has played the last three weeks. No, I, I do think they have improved. Again, I realize Ben Roethlisberger is not a great quarterback, um, but he's a good enough quarterback that if your defense is having communication breakdowns like we saw the first two weeks, he's good enough to take advantage. Um, his receivers are good enough to take advantage. I, I mean, I didn't – he he missed uh, – was it Smith Schusnow was uh, James Washington for what should have been a deep touchdown in the first half. But otherwise, I didn't see a lot of guys running free. So I, I would say that's a – to go with Mike McCarthy, I would, I would say that's a positive. What do you got next? You got any good questions? I do. I do. Um, this is from Sunil. I hope I'm not butchering your name. What do you guys think is the missing link before the Packers? Or what do you think? What do you think is the missing link to that well-oiled machine and offense like when they scored 31 plus points per game? Um, I would say to that, they scored 30 against the 49ers and they scored 27 against a good Pittsburgh defense. So um, I don't think they're that far away. And when you get your offensive lineman back, I think that solves your problem. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the offensive line has been the the hindrance. I, I wouldn't even call it a hindrance. I mean, the last three games they've scored 35 
30 and 27, which if I took a math class in college, I would be able to figure that out. I'm doing it quickly on my calculator right now. That's 30.7 points a game. You know, that would be top three in the league in, in any year pretty much. But um, it's just the, the accuracy of Rodgers' throws, I think. You know, they, they left probably 20 points on the board today. Um, they could have scored 50 easily if Rodgers was, was on point with a couple more throws. And obviously getting Jenkins and Bakhtiari back will really help. Um, so, yeah, like the past couple weeks, Rodgers has drawn that pass interference or hit Tunyon for the touchdown on the play up the scene with a linebacker with his back turned. Rodgers missed that one today and, and Tunyon wasn't able to reel one in in tight coverage. You know, he missed Tunyon on the deep ball. Devontae and, and him were kind of off today. So, but like we said, I don't think we should look at this, oh, it's a cause for concern or why aren't they doing this? I think we should look at it more of they were still able to score 27 when that did happen. And I thought uh, Rob Domovsky made a good point in Matt LaFleur's press conference. You know, Rodgers isn't posting these astronomical numbers early in the season like he did last year, and they're still scoring a lot. So uh, I think this team offense has a really good balance, in, and they showed that today. From Racketman75, is it time to start worrying about Aaron Jones fumbling issues? Four in the last five games by my count, um, I will just say yes with an exclamation point. Four in the last five games? Well, I, I have to go back and look, but obviously the one today, he fumbled out of bounds against the Niners last oh, week. Oh, okay. Then he I go guess back to the championship game, that. that's three. Um, then he fumbled against the Saints or Detroit. I guess I can't recall off the top of my head, but nonetheless, that's at least two yeah. weeks in a row where he's coughed it up. It's a concern, definitely. Yeah. You got to be able to hold on to the ball if you're a running back. Hey, Matt, from Lou695, whole bunch of other numbers. This is just addressed to you, Matt, so I'm going to give it to you. Hey, Matt, do you think with a Z injury, the Packers look at practice squad players or make a trade for an edge or interior defense alignment? I don't know. Um, I think they're going to ride Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary till the wheels fall off um, and rely on Garvin and Rivers, Jonathan Garvin and Chauncey Rivers to to fill in when need be. Um, I, there aren't edge rushers just sitting out there that can come in and, and take meaningful snaps. Yes, you can probably find guys that are better than Chauncey Rivers and Jonathan Garvin, but they know the system. Mike Smith was talking about how it's difficult for him to kind of reteach everything to a guy like Ladarius Hamilton who just came in. So I don't think they do anything externally. Um I, I think they just keep relying on Preston and Rashawn Gary, who who have, I think, not been great, but they've done enough since Zedarius went down. From Heartland Henry, felt like this was the first meaningful Kingsley Kiki game. Was it just a high snap count, good opportunity against a weak old line thing, or is he finally emerging as a real number two next to Kenny Clark? I'll believe it when he does it a couple games in a row. I mean, it's great to see him push that offensive lineman all the way back into Ben Roethlisberger and knock the ball loose, but he's got to do it consistently. We, we've already seen flashes from him in, in his career, but we haven't seen him string it together and, and do it on a consistent basis. So that's what I need to see next from him to really say, okay, maybe Gutekunst was right in kind of sticking with his guys on the defensive line. Yeah, you know, I sit next to Rob during the games and – it was early in the game, and Kiki got blown off the ball. And I go, man, he, he's been really bad this year. And I said that because I go back to those joint practices against the Jets and then the preseason game against the Jets where he just tore them apart. 
And I don't know about a hundred bucks that he's going to have a really big time season that has not happened. He's been a major disappointment until that snap fumble or that sack fumble. Um, you hope for the Packers that there's more of that to come because there's just not a lot of impact players, especially without Z. They really need him. Yeah, agreed. All right, I got a, I, I do have a fun one here. This I know exactly from, what you're about to say. I see it. Okay, this is from Quinn. Could you and Bill outrun Ben Roethlisberger in a 40-yard dash? Follow-up, could you do it if you had to wear jeans? I say this with all – in all seriousness and with respect for the Hall of Fame career he's put together, I think I could. I mean, he, he hit Deontay Johnson on that beautiful deep ball, but um, – to start the game over Jair Alexander, but man, he missed so many easy throws and he can't move at all. I don't know why the Steelers are sticking with him. I mean, I know they don't have a better option in Dwayne Haskins and Mason Rudolph, but at least try something. Yeah. He's bad. You know, I looked at the stat. He, he's his yards per attempt entering the game, were like a yard and a half below his career average. I mean, that's, that's, that's bad football, but he is like a statue back there. I mean, back when he could, back when he could really play, I mean, he wasn't like this great runner, but he was badass. I mean, he was hard to bring down. He was just this gigantic guy back there, and now he's just like a statue. I remember Brad Childress from back when he was a coach of the Vikings used to call quarterbacks who couldn't run an iron deer on the lawn. <laughs> that's what Brad. That that's what Ben Roethlisberger is. He's an iron deer on the lawn. Um, I feel pretty good about my speed at forty-eight. I got to say. Hmm. From Jay Cutler at Smoking J6. Do you have a slinky in your hands while running the podcast or like a rosary? You guys have the best one, BTW. Just wondering what that noise always is. Well, if you hear anything on this podcast, my headphones were stolen from the press box. I literally don't know where they went. I think Jason Wildey accidentally scooped them up, so I'm blaming him for any audio issues. Marissa Morris, our producer, is the best producer in the game. So none of it is her fault. It's all my fault. If something does happen, I'm not wearing headphones today. So we apologize. I will try and get that fixed. And lastly, from Caleb Shampoo, I'm hoping I pronounced that right. C-H-A-M-P-E-A-U. Rogers seems to be playing within the offense less this year, leading to drives such as the fourth quarter one when he ran, when they run Dylan four straight runs, then stalled out with three straight incomplete passes. Does the floor reel him in? He has the freedom to do whatever he wants at the line, and he always will because he's Aaron Rodgers. There will be times when I question whether it's his or LaFleur's decision-making, like against the 49ers last week when they could have run the ball and, and run clock up big, but then they throw three straight deep incompletions, the one that got Devontae Adams jacked up, then a deep one to MVS, and then a deep one to Devontae, three straight incompletions, um, three and out, with no time run off the clock than the one you brought up, Caleb, in today's game. So, yes, there are questions. That's never going to be taken away from Aaron Rodgers, though, the ability to do whatever he wants, because there's so much more good that comes out of it than bad. But um, I would say he's always not always he's not always played within the confines of the offense. He's always going to improvise a little bit because he can and he should be able to. But there have been a couple questionable things he's done the last couple weeks. Yeah, you're right all about you're right about all that. Um, he's earned it because he's made more good decisions than bad ones. Maybe it's just one of those things where Lafleur has to come up to him before a series and put out the scoreboard on the clock. Just tell him to rein it in a little bit. You know, 
look, if, if Rodgers throws a touchdown pass in one of those, right? Who's bitching? Exactly. People, well, not people, but it, it's only a bad decision when it doesn't work out, whether it's a play call or when a quarterback changes to a line of scrimmage or, or hell, a, a basketball player taking a last second shot. It, it's, it, it's only a bad choice if it doesn't work. And if it's a great choice, if it works or, you know what I'm trying to, it's late. If it works, it's a great choice. Something like that. I was saying, Bill, and we'll close this out by saying this. My lovely mother, who's in town this weekend with my dad to, to watch the game and visit a little bit, said that uh, I sound a little, little uh, groggy and dreary on these late-night podcasts we do. You know, it was about 1 a.m. in Santa Clara last week, which is 3 a.m. in Central Time, and I was asleep. So I will be as lively as I can be, and I will not use the excuse that it's, that it's late anymore as I stumble upon my words because it's 10 o'clock at night. Enough. No more excuses. We all got to do our 111. You should have come into this. I'm in the coach's office, Matt. So if you hear any noise today, there's some fans that kicked in behind me. But in the coach's fridge, there's Red Bull. So you should have worked in this office, and I could have gone somewhere else. You could have stolen a Red Bull, and you'd have been lively. Your parents would have thought, Matt, this is the best podcast you've ever done. I might do that next week in Cincinnati. Who knows? Um, but that's all we've got for you guys. We appreciate you listening, as always. We've gotten some great, great words of support on the podcast. And listen, let us know anything you want us to do differently. We're open to uh, different things. If you want us to maybe have a guest on, if you want us to um, do an all-questions episode, if you want us to talk about a certain thing, let us know. We're open to feedback. We're the people's podcast. That's what we like to say. I just made that up. You know when Fine Bill. When did that start? Just now, five seconds ago. But uh, we hope whenever you're listening to this, uh, whether it's Monday morning, Monday night, you enjoy it. Let us know what we can do differently. The same uh, for Bill. I'm Matt. We'll talk to you next week.